Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. Here we go. Judges chapter 7. Stay with me because I'm going to give a lot of background. It's part of the message. I don't know where I'm going to end up because there's so much here, but I'm just going to, we're just going to eat and have dessert first, all right? So, uh, a lot of people don't necessarily like preaching the book of Judges for one reason or another. Personally, I think it's because of the book's name, Judges, and everybody's so ultra extra sensitive about judging and offenses and all that. Like, where would the, where'd the thick skin people go all of a sudden, right? Thank you, social media. Uh, so, like, I, I, but I think if we were to adequately change a name and have permission to do that, you could literally call the book of Judges the book of deliverers. And I believe that's a prophetic declaration over your church that God's not just raising up people to give money to the next building assignment. God is raising up deliverers. I'm talking about deliverers for your family, deliverers for your region, deliverers for your children, deliverers for the schools. I'm talking about everywhere. And there's a cycle that happens all throughout the book of Judges. And it really could be found in uh, Judges chapter 5, verse 31 and Judges 6, verse 1. It, literally, the whole book could be summed up in these two verses, actually the two lines. It says, the land had rest for 40 years. Then chapter 6, verse 1. Then the children of Israel did evil on the side of the Lord. This was a cycle that was repeated constantly because of one issue. They would go and conquer their promised land, but they would never drive out the enemies. Let me put it to you like this, and, and can I just say it like this? I, I think a lot of people, when they step into their promised land, they think it's going to be giant free. They think it's going to be problem free. They, they think it's going to be easy and not hard, and then at the first sign of it being difficult, all of a sudden they take it as, did we miss God? You didn't miss God. God's looking for another way to show his weight and show his power and show his goodness. You just need to recognize that promised lands are always worth fighting for. And so they go in this promised land, but the problem is, is that they never drive out their enemy. They only conquer. Let me put it like they don't, they conquer, but they don't kill. Wow. That's an issue because can I say it to you? Like your enemies don't need to be down. They need to be dead. And that's why so many people live in lifeless cycles and fruitless lifestyles because they're too busy knocking down enemies and only putting it under dirt and band-aiding the issue instead of cutting heads off and distributing the glory and the authority of God. Goliath was down, but he was not dead until David walked over, marched over, grabbed a sword, chopped his head off, and held it up. The reason why that's so important is many of us are too busy trying to manage our enemies or make excuses for our problems or cover up our addictions. And the only reason you have the same cycle of freedom and then relapse, freedom and then never sustaining it, is because you are too busy trying to knock them down instead of kill them. God is not here just to get you to knock people down or knock enemies down. He's here to get you to drive out all the enemies. What would it be like if cancer never came back in to Allen, Wiley, Prosper, Dallas, and we drove out that enemy? What would it be like if rehab centers were shut down because there were no drug addicts in the city driving out enemies? Are you following me? What would it be like if there was no poverty campaigns because the church stepped up, did its job, and supplied everything it didn't need it to because they drove out that enemy. What if it, what would it look like if schools literally became building centers, not just for technology and education, but the Spirit of God could fall on Allen High School. It could fall on Plano West. It could fall on McKinney because we drove out enemies and God doesn't want to be anywhere else than your chemistry class. I'm talking about driving enemies out. 
breaking cycles that produce no fruit in your life and leave you lifeless if not dry. I don't know about you, but I hate dry seasons. But one thing I know is our God is a consuming fire and fire burns better in dry places. It don't matter how you came in this morning, I can tell you, drive out your enemies. I'm just trying to set up the message this morning. That's all I'm trying to do. It's interesting that Goliath's name, his actual name means to reveal. I'm not even talking about David and Goliath this morning, but you should notice that David knocked him down with a rock, but he cut his head off with a sword. Are you hearing me? Jesus is the rock, but he's put the sword of the spirit in your hands. You can drive out your enemies. Goliath's name means to reveal. Just like Pastor Dustin preached so beautifully on the power of praise and how my praise needs to be a problem for the devil. What praise does is it identifies and it reveals who God is, problems, Goliaths, and issues, and obstacles reveal what's on the inside of you. What Goliath didn't realize is the giant killer was revealed because of his presence. What your problems and obstacles don't realize is what God is supplying you with. Because we serve a God of supply and demand. And wherever he makes a demand, it must mean there's a supply. So if he's demanding more, it's because he supplied more. If he's demanding less, it's because he supplied only so much. But either way, God never makes a demand where there's not a supply. Are you with me? So they live in this cycle and they just refuse. They're, they're just making up excuses or they, they go and try to uh, c- uh, come up with these uh, treaty terms and, 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 and these surrender terms that aren't godly. And honestly, until our desire to remove the enemy becomes greater than him remaining, they will always have permission to stay. So desperation, again, comes on Israel as they have been disarmed. And I just have to say this. I said this in the first, it wasn't in my notes, but I've just been so captivated by this revelation. I really feel like what's on this house, and especially on this generation of people, I'm not talking about young people, I'm talking about people on the earth now, is a gift of creativity. And, and, And we have so run from that many times. Creativity comes in forms that causes discomfort or maybe things that we feel like we're ambushed in. But creativity is huge. And the reason why is because creativity arms the people of God. I'll prove it. Zechariah chapter 1. It says that there were four horns of wickedness that were raised up in the land of Israel that caused all this wickedness to spread throughout the land of Israel. And instead of God raising up a king, a prophet, a judge, you know who he raised up? It says he raised up four craftsmen. He doesn't raise up warriors. He doesn't raise up apostles. He raised up the creative ones. And what, crea- what the Bible says in Zechariah 1, it says that by their creativity, their creativity terrorized the horns of wickedness and tore them down, not because of their amazing services, not because of their gift mix, but because of their creativity and the spirit of God that came on their creativity. Now, when you first research the word creativity and creative one, you come up with blacksmiths. Blacksmiths' first and their top priority in a country was to weaponize their country. So if an army came in and conquered another nation, they would literally kill all the blacksmiths. Why? Because they did not weaponize, they didn't want them weaponizing a rebellion. What God is trying to do is try to arm some people with some creativity in this room so you can begin to weaponize the people of God all over the earth because that is your job. You're created for a reason. You're not weird, you're creative. I'm what weird. Are you following me this morning? So here you have Israel, no weapons, enslaved, starving, hiding in dens and caves, and they begin to cry out for deliverance and freedom. God hears their prayers, and he selects someone who wouldn't even pick themselves. Like you go, That's like, I don't know about you guys, but I know that I'm pretty competitive. 
And no matter what it is, I'm competitive. And there's only one person I really have to beat, and that's Erica, my wife. Because bragging whites are everything in my house. I could care less if I lose to anyone else, but I have to, like, even my kids, there are no easy wins in my family. I don't believe in, in participation trophies. I'm sorry, I just don't do that because in real life, you don't get that. That's not gonna get, you're not gonna get a job because you graduate, you're gonna get a job because you can grind. Are you with me? Just trying to help some people out. Uh, but I, I, I just, I, I, you go, I like, if my kids, like, I, I destroy my kids, no matter what it is. It could be a matching game, it could be Madden, it could be anything, but I'm gonna win. I play a win. I, I want them to play like anybody, can I, can I get a better amen? I know all the men in this room are like, finally. Over here, petting insecurities. So I, 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 I trust me, I, I'm always, I, I always about the W. I mean, I was, I was like yelling during the crowd breaker yesterday. Like, God, it's over there, Waldo's over there. You know, trying to find that alien. God picks people that wouldn't even pick themselves. Watch this. It's like, I'm competitive. So if I'm putting a team together, I'm gonna get the best team, right? I wanna get the absolute best. I wanna get the ones who are gonna produce. I wanna get the ones who are gonna bring on the W and, 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 and just dominate. God lets everybody pick their team, and then he goes over and he says, it'd be like Gideon said, hey, you, what's your name? Gideon. Yeah, I don't want to play. Awesome, you're on my team. <laughs> That's exactly what he's doing. Because when God comes to Gideon, he says, God is with you, or I'm with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, I'm just treading wheat here in a wine press. It's awkward. You know, that, that, like, that, that is literally the conversation. And he says, you must, you must make, you've made a mistake because I'm the least and I'm the weakest. I, I, that isn't even, that, let me just validate this. Theologically and historically, that's not even true. Because you'll find that Gideon's father is a man of influence because the reason why the country is given over to idols is because Gideon's father went and set up all the idols. So Gideon does have, he's looked upon, he's respected. But watch this, he doesn't see himself as that. How you see yourself is so important right now. You are not the least, you are the majority. You are not the weakest, you are the strongest. And you are not the threatened, you are the threat. The enemy loses sleep about and breaks into a cold sweat. And it, I'm telling you, you are definitely something he is a problem with. We have to understand God chose me and you can't argue with chosen. You can't stop chosen. You can't out-debate chosen. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how much experience you have. If you are chosen, if the hand of God Almighty is on your life, baby, you're chosen and can't nobody stop chosen. I just, I haven't even got the scripture yet. I need to preach. How we see ourselves is so important. It says through several tests and counters, God begins to prove to Gideon not only who God is, but who Gideon is. Finally, Gideon says, I'm ready. Let's go take him. And God says, one thing. I need, to, I, I need to cause the defilement in the land to be torn down. We need to purify the land. I want you to tear down every idol and every altar that your father set up. <laughs> like God knows who to pick. Like it isn't just like, oh, what's everybody? Let's get Gideon. Let's get G-Money. Let's get him to go. go. Let's get him to lead this for back. God's like, I'm going to get the guy, his son, who set up all the idols. I'm getting that guy. Right? And so... He, that's a whole other message right there. And so, I'm telling you, I've done a lot of research on Gideon. I feel like my middle name should be Gideon now. <laughs> so then Gideon goes in the middle of the night. He's smart, and he tears down all the idols. The men of the city wake up, and they are ticked. They are Superman, right? They're like, who tore all this down? And then, you know, Gideon's over there like, oh, my gosh, who did this? This is, <laughs> this is crazy. That was kind of my favorite, you know? Like, you know, and like... Gideon's like that, and then finally he gets out. Well, Gideon did this. They're ready to kill him, 
Gideon's dad steps in and says, listen, if Baal is truly God, then Baal can come down and build himself a new idol and a new altar. Let's stop messing with Gideon. It says at this moment, Gideon grabs a trumpet, blows it in verse 34 of chapter six, and it says the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Now, I don't know if I'm gonna get to this part later in the message, so I'm gonna just break this, I'm, spoiler alert, okay, right now, okay? What's interesting about this is the terminology and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. We literally think that when the Spirit of the Lord comes on Gideon that something came on us. It's actually the exact opposite. It literally means that Gideon was a costume and God put Gideon on, which is exactly what happens when we get saved, that it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me to the hope of glory. Why? Because when he comes alive on the inside of me, it may, I may look like me, I may sound like me, I may do things like me, but it's the power of Christ, the resurrected Savior, and the Holy Spirit moving through me. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon all of us. Are you following me? This is interesting. He blows this trumpet. It says the Spirit of the Lord comes on, and then it says, and all the men gathered to Gideon, numbering 32,000. Let's remember, these were the same men at least an hour ago that wanted to kill him. You need the Spirit of God upon you. Because the same people who tried to sabotage you, the same people who tried to doubt you, the same people that rumored and slandered your name are going to be the same people that are backing you up and got your back and watching over you and praying for you. I'm telling you, don't burn your bridges with anybody when the Spirit of God starts coming on you. Then we're going to get to Scripture here. The men of Israel prepare and strategize for war, but God has different um, plans. All right? Judges chapter 7, verse 2 says, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors. <laughs> I know I'm the only one laughing at this, but I'm, I'm sure, and I'm sure Gideon wasn't laughing because Gideon's like, we only got 32 and our enemy, the Bible says they couldn't count. They couldn't even number. Gideon's like, we only got 32. Okay, 30, if we're gonna go down, at least we're gonna go down with 32,000. God's like, you got too many. God has different problems than we do. Yeah. You understand? He says, you have too many warriors. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, uh, the Israelites are going to boast that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, to all the people, whoever is afraid, they may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 went home, leaving only 10,000 willing to fight. Can you imagine explaining yourself? Like, blows the horn, spear of the Lord comes on me, let's go to war. All right, listen, whoever's just like scared out of their mind right now, you can go home. <sighs> okay, good, good. I've got, I've, I'll catch you, let me, I'm going to catch it on ESPN. I'll catch it later. I, uh, like, can you imagine me? I, I, I don't know how 22,000 are like, see, I was about that life about five minutes ago. But then we started trying to count these fools and we can't find a number. So, right? So, verse four. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Anybody ever had this prayer moment? God, I need breakthrough. Yeah, we're gonna work on this. No, no, over here. Have you ever prayed the prayer? God, change them. God's like, let's change you. No, 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 them. I'm good. They're so messed up. They're like a bucket of suck. Like, I cannot get through to these people. Right? Come on, let's be honest. We, we fought. You're looking at me, but I'm only saying it because you thought it. <laughs> Shabba. There are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down the water, the Lord said, divide the men into two groups. In one group, he put the, men, uh, the ones who cup water in their hands and lap it with their tongues like a dog. If the other, he put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 men 
drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I'll rescue you and give you the victory over Midianite, or the Midianites. Send all the others home. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, one day God's going to have to explain himself on how he chooses people. And, and just, like, you got Gideon. Then you tell him people go home. Then you telling them I have too many. Then we lap in tongues like a dog over here. Like, well, are you just making this up as we go? It, it, it's interesting. But Gideon, after he sends 9,700 people home and he's left with the 300, he goes into his tent and God meets him and says, Gideon, are you scared? Gideon's like, I'm scared. I'm so scared. I'm scared on my mind. I'm so scared right now. I'm scared. <laughs> and Gideon, and God's like, if you're scared, okay. You're scared? I'm scared. Okay. Gideon, go to the enemy's camp and I'm going to speak to you there. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Like, go to the enemies? No, no, no. I don't want to go. Like, they're trying to kill us. And now you want me to go there. That doesn't make sense. God says, I'll meet you there. Gideon's smart. He goes. He takes a servant with him, Purah, and he goes. He's walking throughout, the, in the middle of the night, he's walking through the camp, and he overhears the same dream constantly being repeated. He gets the full dream when one guy says, I had a dream last night, and I saw a barley loaf. Everybody say barley loaf. Barley. I saw a barley loaf coming down the hill, and it crushed every tent that was on our, our, in our army. And the interpretation of the dream comes out. And it says that could only mean one thing. That means that God is getting ready to send Gideon over those hills and destroy us. I love that God will put the prophetic fulfillment word and interpretation in the enemy's mouth. The enemy knows he's defeated. I'm telling you, your marriage is not going to have the same problems this year as it has next year. It's going to have victory attached to it. It's going to have freedom. Your children are going to come back to Jesus. I'm telling you, your health care is going to come back. I'm telling you, your provision is going to come back. That's a whole other message right there. It says that he, he, Gideon, Gideon, um, Gideon, hears this, he goes back to his army and says, guys, the, the Lord has given us this victory. Here's what we're going to do. Break everybody into groups of 100, and everybody take a clay jar with a candle in it, and then take a horn. Remember, they have no weapons. They are literally going to go fight with no swords, no spears, no shields, no nothing. These dudes, these are faith-filled people. This is Church 1132 people right here. I'm telling you right now. No, I'm serious. I believe it, because watching what you've come from, I remember when you were in the other thing. What do, what do we, I don't know the term for that. The other building, sorry. I, I remember, and I remember watching God add and add and add. Multiply, 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 multiply. And then you get here, and it'd be easy to get comfortable. It'd get easy to go, man, we get here, let's just add more services. And all the staff said Amen. <laughs> we're all servants so we fall asleep I mean let's be honest no I I'm telling you why do you think we're dreaming of prosper Wiley come on Wiley we need we, we, we need God, a move of God in Wiley why do we why do you think we oh, they open an online I say we like I'm here but I'm gonna say it anyways why do you think we have an online campus because there are people who would never step foot in a church because they're so church hurt and so wounded by people in the church that they need at least some introduction, then they would come through these doors. I promise you it's happening even right now. There might be somebody here like that. What I'm telling you is they get back, they break them off to 100, they throw down their clay jars, and then all of a sudden they see candles everywhere, and the enemy gets so 
uh, 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 ambushed in their own thoughts by their own insecurities. They start taking off as they're blowing horns. The Israelites are blowing horns. The enemy thinks they're being chased and they just leave. They leave all the supplies, all the weapons, everything right there. And God didn't have one sword drawn, didn't have one spear thrown, not one shield used. Why is that so important to us? It's because God is, it is in to a massive move that is not gonna be explained by human reasoning. He is into making plans. He's gonna do things that are gonna make absolute no sense yet it got done. People are gonna look at the story of this church they're going to look at the story of the marriages represented in this church. They're going to look at the story of the kids that are, that are seven and eight right now becoming campus pastors in 20 years. They're going to look at them and go, how did you learn to prophesy like that when you were eight years old? How did you learn to heal the sick like that when you were nine years old? How did you learn? And they're going to watch all of this groomed, all of this built, all of this happening right now, right now, because you understand God is weaponizing you now. Let's pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, I unlock strategies. I unlock wisdom and revelation right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I unlock freedom, courage. I say courage would possess you. Courage would come on top of you that you would not fear the things in front of you. That Goliath, that opposition, that problem is only there to activate you in every step of the way. Lord, I pray that, that when hard things come, that they only trigger a greater step of faith. I activate it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I, I call for signs, wonders, healings, miracles, salvations, breakthroughs, provisions, unexplained moves of God happening in kitchens, boardrooms, schools, campuses, small groups. God, do it like we've never seen it before. Give us the kind of move we don't have a grid for. We can't point back and say, well, this is how they handle that. Give us something so fresh it costs everything in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said amen, amen. I, I, I'm calling this message risk it all this has really become a theme in my life as of late uh, uh, in, in certain areas of my life where I'm literally laying down every and risking everything um, I, but I, I uh, I've watched how the people of God have had this demand come on them in risking it all I remember I was put one time into a situation. I was at a conference. It was a pastor's conference. I was sitting in the second row, third row. An older gentleman came in front of me. And he sat down, and he was actually, what's interesting, he was actually sitting in front of me. Uh, the conference started, and all of a sudden, he moved his head like this. He, he went backwards and went, ah, 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 just like that. And I, I, literally, and I'm like, hey! That ain't right. That ain't no praise. And, and, and I... The nurse on the way said, hey, he's having a heart attack. So I jumped over, I picked up the man, I put him on the, on the floor. By that time, they're getting everybody out of the room. An ER doctor had gotten there. I'm looking for a pulse. I mean, the nurse is like, hey, we've got to do CPR. One thing, fun fact about me, okay, I'm a germaphobe, okay? Like, sorry, if you, if you need CPR, sorry. So, so like, I'm sure in the moment that might change, but as I'm sitting on this side of that experience, God be with you. You're gonna meet him real soon. So, so I, like, I, I'm a germaphobe. So the nurse is like, the nurse is like, hey, listen, um, you need to do. Uh, she's like, we need to do CPR. I'm like, okay, you do mouth to mouth because at this time the guy's like foaming, like this, and I'm like, Ew. so, so she starts mouth to mouth. I'm start gagging and doing chest compressions. You know, and then the ER doctor gets there. He starts taking over. I'm looking for a pulse. This guy's gone. By that time the paramedics got here. I can't find a pulse. Nothing. Paramedics get in there, they're like, back up, we got him. And so we're sitting there. And I'm in a church. 
If there's anywhere you can pray for the sick, if there's anyone that you could maybe raise from the dead, it should be in church. Yet I feel this intimidation come on me. And I feel this clash happening. Am I going to risk everything? Are, are you going to give everything? And I remember looking at this guy. Um, I, I, I remember this brewing, this holy eruption coming up inside of me. And I just began to pray. And I'm talking about, not, I'm not praying like no, no soaking prayers. Where we're all, you know, I'm not sitting there doing that. Okay, I'm talking, about, I'm talking like warfare. I'm talking like real jihad, spiritual warfare, okay? And I remember I'm sitting there and I'm watching this man. I'm watching this man go through what he's going through and then these two worlds colliding. And at the same time, the ER doctor, the nurse and myself tell this man, you will live and you will not die. Come into your body, boom, now. And as the heart monitor was going flat, all of a sudden, beep, shows up on the heart monitor. One of the paramedics said, oh, we got him. I'm like, oh, you got him. You, you got him. I'm over here putting in work, baby. No, I did that. Get out of here before he dies again. I got to do your job. Send me your check. I got him. All right. That's still bugging. Anyways, they get him back to the hospital. Why would that happen? You would think that a church would be a safe place. But I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, I want to see that kind of stuff happening in your, in your jobs. I think it should be happening in Walmarts. I think it should be happening in malls and in gas stations where we're risking everything. Uh, maybe for some of you, risk doesn't look like that because you're in a certain setting. For some of you, risk looks like a financial gift. You got real quiet. Why did you get real quiet? Start talking about money and Alan all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, let me, let me, can I be honest with you? Maybe, just maybe, you were planning on risking this much and God's asking you for this much. The truth is we need to stay war ready there's the only one point I'm going to preach to you in this message. Stay war ready. Isn't it interesting the way God qualifies people? He says, whoever's afraid, you can go home. What's he really saying? He's saying, Gideon, I know you have 32,000, but right now you're surrounded too much of the wrong thing. There's too much fear in your enemy or too much fear in your army. I can't have you around this. Listen, and you might think, man, I, I never wanted to be here. I, what God's asked me to do, I don't want to do. Listen, you may be unlikely, but that does not mean you're unusable. In fact, many times when you're unlikely, you are the best choice. There's nobody else is going to credit it to their degrees and their experience and all their, all their other levels of making something great. I'm telling you, he's saying you're surrounded by too much of the wrong thing. And then the second thing, he says, whoever's afraid, go home. The second thing he says, go down the river. I want you to look at how people drink water and then we're going to decide. Notice how he does this. This is interesting because he says, whoever drinks like this from the river, they're going home. But whoever drinks like this, they're going to battle. Which one is more war ready? When your full attention is on this or you're drinking water, looking for an ambush, ready to go? There was only 300 people. 300. Stay war ready. Can I tell you one of the greatest things you can do in the kingdom, one of the most militant things you can do in the kingdom is be generous. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about with, with, with your encouragement with your peace, with your support, with your prayer. Can you fast for somebody else besides you? I'm talking about be generous with your spiritual gifting, with your time. Be generous, not, not just with your treasure. I, I believe, I truly believe it's time to stay war ready. I, I'm so grateful. Uh, your pastor and I were in Australia at the same time together. And uh, it, was, it was fun to preach back to back. That was, that was, we need to do that again. It was dope, I'm not lying. So I, I remember, um, I was at another church. He was at one church. I was at another church. 
And I got this testimony. This did not happen under my ministry. I want to be very clear about that. But the testimony is so powerful. I'm so grateful that a group of people had gotten together to pray. Asked the Lord, would you just use us? We're going to risk everything today, in our day. And we're going to go find people to pray for. And so they asked the Lord, who should we pray for? They said, there's going to be a person that's self-harming. And they feel like a failure. They feel like they matter nothing. They feel like they, they, they just don't have anything to offer in this life. And I, I remember just hearing it, and that breaking, because I know what that feels like. Many of us know what it's like to have the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of being overlooked, the fear of humiliation. This, this young man took it a whole nother level. They went out in their city. They found him. Knew what he was wearing, knew his name, walked up to him and said, listen, do you know someone? God said, we're from Church 1132. We're praying for people today. And God uh, sent us to pray for somebody. Do you know anyone who may be struggling with self-harm and the feelings of failure and just this strong sense uh, 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 of just hating themselves? Do you, do you know anyone like that? And we have a picture. Before you put it up, I want to warn you, it is somewhat graphic. So, But I want to show you, this It breaks my heart. This young man, what he did, is it's intense. So I'm just giving you a, a disclaimer here. But man, when I see it, I just feel like God needs to invade that person's life now. Not tomorrow, not during one certain night, right now. I don't need a band backing me up. I don't need someone, I don't need Pastor Dustin preaching me up. I need this now. And they said, do you know someone like that? The young man lifted up his leg, his shorts, and this was his leg. just carved in his own skin, had failure written, the whole thing. And I mean, like I'm fighting back tears and the team started crying because that nobody should ever get to that level of depravity. And that's why I hate the devil and I hate sin and I hate depression and I hate heaviness. I hate mental, I hate it all because it's not who God created us to be. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but this may not look like your leg, but it might look like your heart. It might look like your life. You're in, a self, you're in a self-destructive pattern. No games anymore. You feel like losing your own life. So totally broken. They said, can we pray for you? This guy's weeping. He said, please, please, finally somebody cares, please. They lay hands on him. Now the next picture is seven days apart. They lay hands, they begin to pray. This guy gets saved. I mean like saved, like they're discipling him that night. He's asking questions, hunger's on the level, like that people wouldn't need to be right. And so get saved, and this happens seven days later. I want to tell you, we need you to risk it all. Because we got, and I'm not talking about you for young people's sake. I'm not talking during a conference. I'm talking as a church. We need more than just another campus in Prosper. We need a global awakening and unifying of the church that begins to destroy the strongholds of the devil all across the nations. But it's going to take us risking it all. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.